Hi, meteorologist Don Paul here with my new podcast, Don Paul's Bits of Blather on weather, climate, and science. And uh, before I go on with today's tips on tornadoes topic, I do want to urge you, please, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you've heard uh, some of the other episodes, this is episode five, and you're enjoying it, please spread the word. Please share. Uh, either by word of mouth, word of keyboard, social media. That's the only way podcasts can grow at a reasonable pace. So uh, if you like it, please do me that favor. If you hate it, find someone you hate and tell him or her about it. Okay, tips on tornadoes. We're going to try to keep this pretty basic because that is such a complex subject area. Just things that everybody needs to know. Uh, since there have been tornadoes in all 50 states, and yes, there are parts of the country where it is much less of a risk. Here it is in uh, mid-October, and on this Sunday afternoon, there is a low risk of a few tornadoes. In southwest Minnesota, western Iowa, southeast Nebraska, that's not rare. Tornadoes are not rare in October or November. They're not as common as in April and May, but this is not the lull time of the year. Actually, they tend to be a little less common in mid and late summer. And also, as you might expect, in the dead of winter, there are tornadoes which can occur in the Gulf states in January and February, but they're much less common. Okay, here are the quick basics. Tornado watches. A watch means conditions are developing which are favorable for tornadic thunderstorms to develop but it doesn't mean they are imminent. It means you need to uh, have a heads up and the watches are issued from the Storm Prediction Center, which is a, a branch of the National Weather Service. They're located in Norman, Oklahoma, right on the campus of the University of Oklahoma. And they're right next to the National Severe Storms Laboratory. If uh, you're a would-be meteorology student, uh, and you can get into the University of Oklahoma. That's probably their most distinguished academic branch, the School of Meteorology. Uh, it, there are more degreed meteorologists living in the Norman, Oklahoma area than in Washington. Uh, it's just uh, heaven for those who want to study severe convection. But let's get back to the public. Tornado watches are issued only from that center. Tornado warnings are issued by the local National Weather Service office, which serves you. Uh, it could be Buffalo, it, it, it could be the Denver Boulder office. And those are issued when a tornado is appearing to be likely on Doppler radar data, which actually measures the speed and direction of the winds within a storm and can detect rotation or less commonly, but um, more affirmatively from a trained spotter seeing a tornado on the ground. Now, rotating supercell thunderstorms, uh, which often start to rotate because winds near the surface may be coming out of the south or southeast, and you go up 10, 15,000 feet, and the winds have veered, and they're coming in from the southwest. That's a kind of wind shear, directional wind shear which can help start a, an entire thunderstorm to rotate, in which case a small cell cyclone within the thunderstorm, we call a mesocyclone, uh, may be forming and would be detected if it lasts long enough by the network of National Weather Service Doppler radars. And in some parts of the country, there are some TV stations which have 
uh, high-end Doppler radars, but the best network and the best overall source of radar data, which could detect tornadic development, is in the National Weather Service Doppler radar network. The Air Force also has a number of these Dopplers. Now, when the Weather Service sees evidence of rotation low enough in the atmosphere, it suggests that a funnel cloud is actually reaching the ground and becoming a tornado. And the National Weather Service, if they feel the velocity is fast enough and that mesocyclone has been up on the so-called scope long enough, will issue a tornado warning. But they will word it to say a Doppler radar indicated uh, a storm capable of producing a tornado. Some different offices sometimes use language that's slightly different, but they generally differentiate between a radar-indicated tornado and a trained, reliable spotter eyewitness of a tornado report on the ground, because not all tornado warnings verify. You should assume they're going to verify, though, for your safety. Uh, there are a certain number of false alarms, which is the dread of every meteorologist. We don't want to overwarn, but with Doppler radar having increased the lead time for warning of tornadoes that are well organized and without any uncertainty, having saved more lives with more lead time warnings, uh, the Weather Service has a very difficult juggling act to perform. Uh, they don't want to wait too long before they issue that warning. Uh, but not every rotating thunderstorm is producing tornadoes. So if you hear a watch means heads up and the Storm Prediction Center will issue a watch for a defined geographic area. And I would urge some of you, especially if you live in tornado prone parts of the country, to bookmark the Storm Prediction Center because even though the language in their outlooks for convection can be very technical and is designed for meteorologists, you will at least see the graphic in which the risk areas for the day are outlined, ranging from marginal, a 5% risk, to slight, 15%, then enhanced, then moderate, and then high. High risks are infrequent, and that really means watch out. And so you can at least look at that graphic and let's say it's spring, let's say it's April in Oklahoma City, you can at least look at that early in the day and see, are, is your part of the state at risk? The Storm Prediction Center uh, has increased its ability to give more lead time warning, not of specific tornadoes, but of a higher risk day coming up. Sometimes two, three days in advance, they begin outlining for day two and day three where risks are expected. And once you start seeing the color yellow in an outlined area, uh, I say on day two for your part of the country, heads up, heads up. The warnings come from local offices and uh, after storms do develop, uh, the weather service used to have to issue a warning for an entire county, or if it's a county that's divided into two forecast zones, like Erie County, New York, where Buffalo is, Northern Erie County is a separate zone from Southern Erie County. The whole zone would have a warning in effect. Now, and for the last few years, the Weather Service uses polygons, defined outline areas which lessen geographic overwarning. Uh, we can often look at a potentially tornadic thunderstorm 
and see where it's going and say, well, there's no way the northwest half of the county is going to be impacted. So the Weather Service will has software which actually plots a polygon narrowing the warning area, which makes it much more effective rather than warning people who don't really uh, come under the threat of a tornadic thunderstorm in the path it's following. Get me on that polygons. And you, you can see those uh, very often on your favorite TV station weather apps, definitely on your National Weather Service uh, forecast office home pages. Um, let's say you live near Denver or Boulder. Uh, you can use a search engine, NWS Denver. Bookmark the home page, and if a tornado warning is issued for any county that that office covers, you'll see the polygon, you'll see the part of the county that's actually under a warning. You'll also see as time progresses during a warning period, the polygon may shrink as the storm is moving and the area that it had already passed over is no longer under threat, that gets cut out of the polygon. And then a new warning may have to be issued if the storm is still intact and it's approaching um, the end of its original forecast warning path, then a new warning gets issued out ahead of it, again, in the form of a polygon. So we got that. And uh, the warnings, as I said, don't all verify. Uh, we don't try to judge a storm's actual rated intensity on the F, the EF scale until usually the next day when a damage survey team goes out from that local weather service office and examines the kind of damage to determine a if it was a tornado or if damage occurred it was from so-called ordinary straight line winds which can produce devastating damage as well but they need to be kept distinct from tornadoes because we want accurate statistics on how many tornadoes have been occurring across the country from month to month, from year to year. Uh, this year, nationally, we are running below average, although there have been a few bad days. Uh, and uh, over the next uh, few decades, there are going to be careful trending uh, efforts made to see if our warming climate has much of an effect on tornado development. Uh, right now, in 2020, the consensus, which is not totally conclusive is that we may see fewer total tornadoes, but more bad days with clusters of tornadoes. In other words, you get days sometimes where there are a couple of tornadoes on the high plains, not necessarily in populated areas. We may see fewer total tornadoes in numbers, but a few more days of multiple tornado outbreaks occurring. Uh, but the relationship between global warming and tornadoes is not clear cut. It is clear cut with many other weather phenomena. This, this one uh, still has a great deal more research which will be required. Now, different parts of the country. Um, I live in Western New York. We are certainly not Tornado Alley. The city of Buffalo has never had a tornado, but we do have uh, some tornadoes in Western New York from time to time, especially to the south of the Buffalo metro area toward Pennsylvania. In fact, on May 31st, 85, there was a tornado outbreak which impacted Northeast Ohio, uh, a good chunk of Northwest Pennsylvania, Eastern New York, uh, and a good part of Southern Ontario, uh, which produced 88 deaths. 
However, the Lake Erie breeze, a cooling breeze, uh, took those tornadoes when they crossed over the state line into western New York and quickly weakened them. We had some damage, but no injuries. Uh, but if you live in the Gulf states, uh, you people sometimes face something not so common in what is thought of as Tornado Alley, which is a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, most of the really big tornadoes in Oklahoma and North Texas and Kansas tend to develop later in the afternoon, daylight hours. But if you live, say, in Birmingham or uh, any part of the Gulf states, the Gulf of Mexico is a heat engine. It is a heat and moisture source, even at three in the morning. And so there is more commonly occurring there than any other part of the country, middle of the night tornadoes, often rain wrapped. So even for those awake, impossible to see because the rain is wrapped around the funnel. You may know there's a terrible storm coming, but you can't actually see the tornado coming at you. Um, and these tornadoes that occur at two, three in the morning can have a, a terrible uh, impact on fatalities and casualties. A lot of people are asleep and they're not necessarily listening for the tornado sirens if your community have them. So those in the Gulf states really need to be cautious. Uh, you know, in April of 2011, uh, there was a, a, it was late April, terrible tornado outbreak. Uh, it impacted Alabama worst of all, but uh, there were a few hundred deaths from that outbreak. And uh, remember, with so much more water vapor available, that's one of the ingredients that can go into making tornadoes more likely. This warm and humid air, winds shifting in direction with increased altitude. Uh, the tornado, there's a lot more to Tornado Alley than Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma. Uh, there's a tornado alley, which uh, has shown signs of moving a little more toward the southeast states. And uh, even in Florida, you certainly do face uh, more commonly weaker tornadoes. But on occasion, there have been some very strong tornadoes. And uh, the network of National Weather Service Doppler radars has most of the country covered to some, some extent. So there are gaps in the Rockies where there's no way from uh, one radar, let's say, near Boulder uh, to cover some uh, valleys in west central Colorado. And there may be a few areas that aren't covered, but most of the country is within the range of Doppler radar. Doppler radar uh, is not as good as detecting the weaker, short-lived tornadoes because it takes several minutes for each scan of the radar. It has to examine multiple levels of the storm, different altitudes. And uh, so sometimes there are tornadoes that pop up between scans, last a minute or two, and then they're gone. And those aren't usually as damaging. But for the uh, most dangerous tornadoes, uh, people in Moore, Oklahoma, where they suffered uh, some real monster tornado tornadoes uh, in just within a few years of each other, 1999, uh, those tornadoes, uh, typically occur from rotating supercell thunderstorms. And the people of Moore, Oklahoma, uh, had close to an hour's warning, not just watch, not just the tornado watch, but an actual tornado warning issued by the National Weather Service in o Norman, Oklahoma, which is a short distance from Oklahoma City. It serves both cities. So there are the basics you may want to keep in mind. And uh, 
we're going to do other episodes where we get into some of the aspects of what uh, tornado genesis is about. Why do tornadoes form? There's still much that isn't known despite all the decades of research, but each year uh, the research community is learning a little bit more. The National Severe Storms Laboratory in Norman, Oklahoma is doing some incredible research, and, and they're not the only academic center doing that. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to this far. And again, uh, please, if you have a heart, do share. Talk to you very soon.